Hello and welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls, as well as the business world as two working <laughs> women. I'm Kyla. And I'm Taylor. And welcome to a show where we sometimes like to pile it on and talk about not just one TV show, not just one movie, but one movie and a TV show. We've got a lot to discuss today, but... oh. First oh, yeah. off, Taylor, I need to bring a confession to the table. Um, I'm here for you, my child. Is that what a Catholic priest would say? I'm not Catholic, I and know. I don't mean any disrespect. I just L- honestly yeah, don't know what you say. Yeah, let's disrespect religion on this podcast. <laughs> We're not that a political is, podcast, but we are um, a religious one. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello. Um, I forgive you for you have sinned. What is it? So I recently restarted Veronica Mars, as I often do. I was going to say, okay, so far I'm not sensing anything wrong. (laughs) And, you know, it was on my mind because we just did a replay episode of our Veronica Mars Gilmore Girls crossover. Love that episode. Mm -hmm. And I was watching episode one and they made this reference. Listen, man, I don't have a problem with you. That's where you're wrong. Hey, yo, is this old town any good? I mean, my little sister likes it, but you know, she likes ponies and juice boxes, too. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly feel like I'm in a scene from The Outsiders. Be cool, soda pop. And I was like, oh, yeah, we we covered this. So fun. But then as I went back and was looking through our episode before I reposted it, I realized we did not. I miss this one. Kyla, you have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> the fact that you could not remember every single witticism out of Kristen Bell's mouth is not offensive to me. Well, I mean, when I did that last watch through, I was watching just to find, I mean, mm-hmm. for my entertainment, but I was jotting down references the whole time. And I just missed this one. Well, that's why we're here today. I re-listened to that episode when we dropped it again, pretty much mostly in line at a airport Starbucks that was moving <laughs> extremely slowly, and I had gotten to the airport way ahead of schedule, so I basically could do that. Nice. Um, and I just remembered how much I enjoyed Veronica Mars, and then started working on this episode, and I was like, holy crap, we did a great job picking an episode to replay before this one we'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. but like it was not on my radar that there was that connection between that episode we chose to replay and what we're talking about in this episode yeah i didn't realize that either but now we get to cover it you know similar reference to how they used it in gilmore girls love Love it shows oh yeah so taylor do you have some pop culture to recommend I sure do. Felt pretty confident in my recommendation of... It should be live by Friday. I am currently writing a review for a new movie. And though I have not finalized all of the language, I'm still, you know, drafting. This movie is full of what I believe I'm going to call majestic chaos. This movie is just a pandemonium of destruction and mayhem and just gleeful explosions. Mm -hmm. It is basically a perfect 80s or 90s action movie, but it's coming out this weekend. What is it? And it's called Ambulance. And it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen and Ita Gonzalez. And it is directed by Michael Bay, the master of wanton (laughs) mayhem. Love it. And I saw this movie last night for a preview screening, and I basically just, like, wanted to jump out of my chair for joy at multiple parts (laughs) because there was so much chaos, and it was amazing. I don't know what it says about me that that kind of movie brings out that level of catharsis in Mm me. I'm trying not to think too deeply about it if for no other reason than the movie doesn't really ask any deep questions at all. But if you enjoy action romps, if you enjoy watching things blow up, if you enjoy 
the idea of Jake Gyllenhaal channeling his inner Nicolas Cage, please go see Ambulance. It's it's a hoot and a holler. Lovely. I mean, I just think, you know, we have these tough, you know, movies that deal with the human condition, but also, Not it's it. ju- yeah, it's just fun to have movies for the sake of movies and all the magic you can create using that. Oh, yeah. I, unfortunately, my dad was not available to go see it, but, like, if he says he wants to go see it, I will go see it again, just to, like, enjoy it with him, because I was a little sad to see it by myself, because I, like, wanted to be able, this is the kind of movie I wanted to lean over and be like, can you believe that, (laughs) you know, but I didn't know the people sitting next to me, so that would have been real weird. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Are you enjoying something as chaotic and violent and just over the top as that? Um, Not chaotic and violent, but over the top, yes. <laughs> I have been enjoying 90s and 2000s rom-coms. Oh, that I was love just, it. I would just peak. I mean, of course, Sandra Bullock. I've watched many of those. Sandy and I've been B. bringing these up. But recently on Netflix, uh, Just Like Heaven was added, mm-hmm. which is Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. And I had seen it before, but I, of course, did not remember the movie because I forget movies really quickly, actually. I forget plots. But that's joyful because then you get to watch it like it's brand new. I kind yeah. of envy you for that, honestly. Oh, well, yeah, it is kind of nice in that regard. I should really rewatch more movies. But yeah, it's just a lovely 2000-something movie. And it's I, I've just been trying to watch. I've been watching more happy movies because things have been mm. feeling a little heavy lately. And so yeah. I'm going to watch, watch the happy ones. I get it. I get it. There's too many great movies. The burden is overwhelming. I'm sinking under the pressure. And a random coincidence, you know, um, Shirley Maisel and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the mother-in-law, mm-hmm. she was in Just Like Heaven. She was a real estate agent. I have, I do not remember seeing her in any movie or TV show before Mrs. Maisel, but she was in Just Like Heaven, and she was also an extra in Working Girl, the movie we're going to talk about. Oh, how perfect. So Caroline Ann is just following me around this week. I love it. <laughs> well, Caroline, this one's for you. This one's for you. <laughs> I like to think she's listening. Of course. Yes. Speaking of people who are listening, I did not want to let this go to well, waste is a strong word, but I did want to mention we gave our fun update from Celine last time about her listener question. Mm-hmm. She emailed back and she did say people do not call her Miss Celine, which Aww. personally I think is a missed opportunity for her friends, but this is their real opportunity. And she said that one of the big differences between Gilmore Girls in America and Gilmore Girls in France is that Michelle is Italian. In the French version. Instead of being French. (laughs) And she said, it was extremely funny when I switched to the original version and realized the obnoxious employee with an attitude is in fact French. Of course he is. (laughs) So I just wanted to give another fun tidbit for our listeners because I had no idea about that and I think that's incredible. Oh, that's funny. Makes sense that they would change that. Yes. So hello, Celine, and hello, Caroline, because I assume you are listening because we are talking about Working Girl and an Amy Sherman Palladino show Mm -hmm. and Just Like Heaven. Yeah, makes sense to me. Speaking of, uh, should we get into the (laughs) Gilmore Girls episode where, where all these references live? Yes, although let's do a little bit less because guess what? We are talking about the same episode we did last time, Gilmore Girls 605. We've got magic to do. Again, this is the one where Rory hosts the DAR event. We already covered the inspiration for that event, the Hollywood Canteen, in our last episode. So if you want to hear more discussion of what happens in that episode Feel free to hop on back if you skipped that episode, which I don't know why you did that, 
but <laughs> perhaps you did, or maybe this is your first episode. Welcome. We will, of course, be touching on some of the direct connections to the references we're discussing today, which again happen at this Hollywood canteen inspired event. But we are still in Gilmore Girls 605 because there were two references, actually three references, we just mm-hmm. really wanted to talk about. And now we get to hear from one, one of our favorites, Paris Geller. <laughs> just these Paris Geller, Geller lines are incredible. Um, yes. She is broke. Her parents, all their funds are tied up with the IRS and investigations. And so she needs a job. And I love when she talks to Rory about this. And she was like, can you spot me a 20? Uh, a tw- 25? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Rory gives her a job. And Paris has her own unique Paris way of prepping for it. Hey, Paris. Rory, I clocked in. Cool. They gave me this card and had my name on it. And I shoved it in the clock thing. And it made the punchy sound. And I'm officially on the job. Great. And I'm prepared, too. I was a little nervous last night about making small talk with coworkers, mm-hmm. so I went to the video store and rented Working Girl. And the first season of Just Shoot Me got a couple of Wendy Malick bon mots that have already come in handy. Very good. Welcome. Thanks, boss. I'm going to welcome the whole group here. No problem. Oh, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know what she watched prep for this job? <laughs> I had heard of both of these things. Uh... Again, doing the the first time I watched Gilmore Girls, had seen neither of them. Mm-hmm. Before prepping for this episode, I had ended up watching Working Girl a couple years ago. I don't know. The pandemic. Time is a flat circle. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I watched it sometime yeah. when I was staying home, as I did many things. But I did not watch Just Shoot Me until the last few days. Hmm. How about you? Well, mine's the opposite, because I... when. Gilmore Girls reference when Paris mentioned both of these I didn't know what she was talking about but I I'd never watched Working Girl but I had watched some episodes of Just Shoot Me I just didn't remember what the name of the show Mm -hmm. was but I remember as a kid thinking like Just Shoot Me would come on and I thought it was like oh this risky adult show that I was like watching Mm. that I shouldn't which I probably shouldn't have but so I was kind of... Ex- At least one of the episodes I watched was would not be appropriate for the a child. Actually, at least two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. But <laughs> I also was super bored by them, I remember. <laughs> so it was like the feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. This is boring. But ooh, it's, you know, edgy. And so anyways, I watched a few episodes as a kid. But watching it back now... I did not find it super risky, and I don't know if I should have, and it was just my filter is different. My, <laughs> but it also wasn't boring to me, though. I actually did enjoy watching it. So, yeah. What a fun adult reevaluation of your <laughs> childhood. Wonderful. So, so, should we talk about Just Shoot Me first? Let's do it. Okay, Just Shoot Me was a sitcom that ran from 1997 to 2003. The quick IMDb summary for the series is hot-tempered journalist Maya got herself fired yet again. Unable to find a job anywhere else and facing eviction, she is forced to go work for Blush, her father's fashion magazine. The show starred David Spade, Laura San Giacomo, Enrico (laughs) Colat... I can never say his name. (laughs) Enrico Colantoni, a.k.a. the dad on Veronica Mars. Yes. Yes. That's our connection that we did not even realize we were doing. George Siegel, Wendy Malick, and Brian Posen. It was nominated for six Emmys, including Best Supporting Actor for David Spade and Wendy Malick twice for Best Supporting Actress. (sighs) And, you know, I got to do my guest stars. Yeah. And this... I want you to know when at some point you're going to be like, I can't believe this is still going. And you should know I narrowed this down. I just really have (laughs) a hard time doing this. Okay. Guest stars include Nick Lachey, obviously. (laughs) 
Elliot Gould, a.k.a. Ross and Monica's dad on Friends, a.k.a. also <gasps> co-star with James Michael Tyler, a.k.a. Gunther, who was on this show as well. Just remember the their dad, the Ross and Monica dad. I need to bring this up later. Okay. This is an aha moment. Okay. <laughs> Pat Sajak and Vienna White. Snoop Dogg, Dick Clark, yeah. a.k.a. the star of Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve that Ross and Monica really want to be on. <laughs> I'm just on a Friends theme oh my here. Gosh. Octavia Spencer, Ashton Kutcher, Melissa Joan Hart, George Lucas, Judy Greer, oh. Kathy Lee Gifford, Mary Lynn Rice Cub, a.k.a. one of the traveling troubadours on Gilmore Girls. Nice. Bob Odenkirk, Joe Rogan, question mark? David Hasselhoff, Hugh Hefner, question mark, question mark, question mark. Brooke Shield, a.k.a. nothing Mm. comes between her and her Calvins. Pamela Anderson, 98 Degrees the Band. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) SNL friends like Dana Carvey and Anna Gasteyer. Other major sitcom stars like Megan Mullally, Kelsey Grammer. And more. And then we also have Mark Hamill, Carmen Electra, Jay Leno, Tyra Banks, and Leslie <laughs> David Baker, a.k.a. Stanley from The Office. I mean, wow! you can find, is this the new murder she wrote? Like, everyone was on this yeah, show. Yeah, but like some big deal people in really random ways, though. But a lot of like musicians and models, but that makes sense. It was a fashion magazine. Yes, yes. So there you go. That is just a smattering of the many, many guest stars. Wow. And 98 Degrees, that was one of the options that Emily gave Rory, right? Her posters in her room? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh, Emily, we love her. Now, I know this will probably seem silly, but I was wondering what your favorite color is. Oh, I don't really have one. Blue, I guess. Okay. What about flowers? Do you like flowers? Sure. Which would you say you like better, roses or lilies? Mm, sunflowers. Sunflowers it is. Now, what about music? In sync or 98 degrees? Uh, in sync or 98 degrees? What kind of sick joke is this? I don't think I could choose. Well, what about that other group, the Backside Boys? You mean the Backstreet Boys? Yes, that's it. Um, I, I guess if I really had to choose, I'd say in sync. Wonderful. Um, okay, here's something random. George Siegel. Every time I saw him on the show, I thought he looked so familiar. So I went to his IMDb page, scrolling through, scrolling through, could not figure out who he was to me. And it just hit me as you listed off these guest stars. I was thinking of Elliot Gold, Ross and Monica's dad. That's because like the look on... Their face, that is what I was seeing. So, Mr. I see the resemblance now that you say it. Yes, there's definitely a resemblance. And now I can't even picture the right person. (laughs) (laughs) George Siegel, by the way, was on one episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1993. Thank you. I I can sleep at peace tonight. I love it. Yes. So this um, this show, Paris said that she watched the first season, that she rented the first season. So I watched the first season, mm, which is only six episodes. All of it? So, oh, yeah. okay. That's not that bad. Yeah. And it was free on Hulu, so it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. It was It was fun. It's not like... I don't know, maybe I'll watch the rest of it. We'll see. But I thought David Spade was going to be annoying to me, but he wasn't. Because, again, I remembered it. I thought it was so crude as a kid. But it Mm -hmm. wasn't – it just kind of had, like, your normal amount of crudeness, I would say. Yeah. For a broadcast sitcom of that era. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, kind of the heart of it was the father-daughter relationship and her reluctantly working at the magazine – so, like, mm-hmm. the episodes I watch, one of them, she really wants to change the layout for, like, put together the layout for the magazine, which is, of course, a very big deal because you're arranging all the right articles with the ads mm-hmm. and such and such. 
And her dad had just come back from a trip to China. And so he gives Maya, Elliot, and Nina all these AKA candies. A.K.A. Wendy Malik and Enrico Colantoni. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting high off of them. So there's opiates in the candy, which probably a little bit of a stereotype. But anyways, so they're trying to put this together, and they're high, and it's very funny. But in the end... Maya finds out that her dad has never let anyone else put the magazine layout together except for himself. And so he was really trusting her in that moment. And mm. um, the other episodes I watched, she is trying to change the magazine and create, you know, cover deep news stories. And this is basically Cosmo. And so, of course, uh, Nina, the, she doesn't want her to, Maya, to come in and change everything. And so... There's a lot of um, a lot of quips between people, like a little snide remarks, which are pretty clever and funny. Honey, I don't know who your agent is, but you need to grow six inches, lose 20 pounds, and find a hairdresser who gave up cocaine with everyone else. Excuse me, do you own this magazine? No, that would be Mr. Gallo. And I would be Mr. Gallo's daughter. So yeah, what are some things you watched? <laughs> I it would have made sense for me to watch the first season based on Paris's comment. I did watch the pilot episode when she, you know, heads back or basically asks her dad for a job when she doesn't want to and ends up there and you kind of get to know the characters. But then one of my favorite things to do when we do a, a show is to just Google or look on IMDb for top rated episodes. Hmm, yeah. And so I watched two in season three after that and then one in season five and none of them were particularly magazine focused like most of mm -hmm. them were more like co-worker interpersonal stuff with like work stuff thrown in so in the season five episode the first thanksgiving everyone is spending thanksgiving at jack's country house aka the dad and mm -hmm. maya is really worried about having a perfect traditional thanksgiving meal mm -hmm. and meanwhile there's all sorts of confusion about her dad hooks up with elliot's newly widowed mom oh, at the house <laughs> but then there's all sorts of confusion because people only overhear bits and parts of conversations and so david spade who is the secretary, I don't think we've mentioned, he thinks that Jack has slept with his date who was coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then there's another part where, like, somebody else thinks somebody else hooked up with somebody else. So it, it just, like, turns into this, like, he said, she said, only hearing part of the story, and then it all comes out at Thanksgiving dinner what actually okay. happened, and everyone's nice. upset. I also watched 317 Toy Story, and in this one, Finch, a.k.a. David Spade, he's the real, like, he has a devil on his shoulder that appears and no <laughs> angel. He's like, isn't there supposed to be uh. an angel? <laughs> nah, not for me. And Elliot's birthday is that day, and Maya gets him a, um, it's something like an Xbox, okay. whatever of the equivalent around 2000 was. That seemed cool. And then another guy who I didn't see in any other episodes gets him a, how do I put this nicely? Something, a, a collection of items from an adult store. Huh. And Finch decides, wouldn't it be funny if I switched the to and from tags on these? So <laughs> that Elliot thinks that he got the gifts from each other person. So then the oh, whole episode funny. is like Elliot saying things to each of them and the other person saying things that they think makes sense for the gift they yeah. thought they got him. But for him, it's something else. Anyway, so it's the classic sitcom mix up yep. of misunderstandings. And then I watched what I sounds like is probably the most well-known episode, which is 311 Slow Donnie. And in this one, we meet Elliot's brother, who had an accident a long time ago and fell and hit his head. And has um, Elliot and his family believe that he has been 
was his brain function was severely damaged mm-hmm. and he can no longer operate without a lot of help and basically treat him like a very small child. But then mm-hmm. Maya finds out he's faking it so oh that gosh. his family can just do all this stuff for him. And she has to <laughs> expose the lie to Elliot that his oh brother is not actually quote unquote slow witted as this episode description calls it, <laughs> but that he is in fact oh. just an adult pretending to need help That's because he's hilarious. lazy. Donnie has secret. You promise not to tell anybody? Well, sure, I promise. Swear across your heart? Cross my heart. On a stack of Bible books? <laughs> I swear. Okay, here's the deal. Um, <laughs> I'm not really slow. I, I fake falling out of that tree. Now everybody waits on me hand and foot. It is the sweetest scam in the world. What else? Ha- any other exciting moments in your episodes? Well, I kind of got a little will they, won't they with Maya and Elliot. So now. Oh, me mm, too. Okay. So now I kind of maybe will watch just, isn't that like what keeps people in sitcoms? The will they, won't they? (laughs) It's like what keeps you watching sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely got that. And I mean, probably my favorite was the episode six, Lemon Wacky Hello, it's called, where they're hallucinating (laughs) trying to put together the magazine layout. Mm-hmm. And I did watch a little Hulu reunion special that came out during the pandemic when they were putting Just Shoot Me on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one of the episodes that they said that they really loved. And they also said it was a little edgy because they were high on TV. And they were ob- it was obviously, you know, accidental. But um, mm-hmm. they thought that was a little a little edgy. So... So you will continue to watch it, it sounds like, or you're open to it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, because I watched this and Working Girl, and spoiler alert, it's not a fan of Working Girl, I also feel like maybe that's elevating my opinion of Just Shoot Me a Little, (laughs) because I'm comparing the two. So yeah, I I might watch an episode of season two, see what I think. Okay. But I also... Recently forgot that I was watching another show and finished it. So we'll see if I remember. Okay. Yeah. But Got what it. about you? What did you think overall? Um, it was the most average sitcom <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Okay. Like, it was, like, perfectly adequate. I got a few chuckles out of it. But, like, if you could aggregate a sitcom... Like, if a computer took every single sitcom ever made <laughs> and, like, aggregated everything oh my from the four episodes I watched, I feel like you would get Just Shoot Me. It's, like, <laughs> workplace setting with wacky characters and lots of misunderstanding, some physical comedy, some mm-hmm. little quips here and there, some who slept with who, some will they or won't they. And it's just, like, the most average of all things that have ever happened in the history of sitcoms and so maybe it's also that on this rewatch of working girl i liked it a lot better than i did last time and this is now (laughs) de-elevating just shoot me (laughs) um but i just was like oh this is the sitcomiest sitcom i've ever seen and Mm-hmm. I recognize that some of this comes down to just personal taste and preference. Mm-hmm. But it, like, made me appreciate my favorite sitcoms more. Because I'm, like, so used to watching Friends and Parks and Rec and yeah. The Office and things that I – and community that I find so witty and clever and innovative. And then I watched this and I was like, oh – I've desensitized myself to cleverness because this show is not very clever. It's just very standard. Yeah. But it's not bad. Like, I didn't leave going this was a dumb show and I'm offended by it. It just right. was like. It's just fine. It's like, like wallpaper. Like milk or like toast, a beige as my mom would wall. Say. What? 
like milk toast, just kind of, just yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, like if I were on, if it were on at the nail salon, I would chuckle at it and be perfectly pleased to see just shoot me. But I don't think I'll ever seek out the show again. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I'm like wondering what it says about me that I said I was that I'm like open to watching more. But I think it definitely ties into my. Right now, I've been enjoying low emotion, just chill, happy things. And so I think this is that. It's just like, yeah, funny, fine, low stakes. And I don't judge you. Like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't look feel at, judged. I don't, I'm like, I, it's not like I don't get it. I'm like, yeah, it's like a perfectly fine show. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, I did love that Elliot, played by Veronica Mars' dad, um that he was like the ladies man and he definitely did not look like your typical ladies man (laughs) so i really liked that i appreciated that yeah he does have the charisma for it though i appreciate that yeah but like when is a bald like 30 something year old man like without a six-pack the ladies man on tv you know i'm not saying it's right or good yeah but it's rare when I read the summary before I watched the show, I just assumed that Will They Won't They was going to be with SNL star David Spade. Mm-hmm. Not that he's, like, sexiest man alive material. <laughs> like, which, once again, not good or bad. That's just, mm-hmm. like, not typically what happens Yeah. Um, in people's sexiest man alive issue. But, like... <laughs> He is the most famous person in the show mm-hmm. and arguably the funniest. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the most distinct character, yeah. I think. Of all the characters on the show, he is the least average. <laughs> he is the most unique addition to the show, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, should we move on to a- another show about working in the office? Or another, I'm sorry, another... I don't know. Another thing that you watch. What's a movie and TV show? What can you, what word can you use to group them? I'm not sure what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm trying to keep up with you, but I'm not there. Um, I was just trying to say like another word for, is there a word that groups movies and TV shows? Like I can call them both something. Cause I was about to say, let's, what about another show? Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Should we talk about another working girl? Yes. <laughs> um, okay, I think I I think I'm picking up what you're putting down though. No, it just took me a second. Okay. Okay, this working girl is a titular working girl played by Melanie Griffith. This movie Working Girl came out in 1988. It was directed by Mike Nichols, who also directed The Graduate, which we have discussed, I believe, back in season three. It stars Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Joan Cusack, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Spacey in a role that has aged remarkably well, Olympia Dukakis and Oliver Platt. It won one Oscar for the song Let the River Run by Carly Simon. And it was also nominated for Best Picture, Actress, Supporting Actress Times Two for Joan Cusack and Sigourney Weaver and Best Director. Um, Interestingly, Sigourney Weaver was double nominated this year, also Mm. for Best Actress in Gorillas in the Mist. Mm. And the movie made over $100 million worldwide and over 63 of that domestically. So it was a hit and it was up for a bunch of Oscars. And Kyla is shaking her head <laughs> at this oh. moment and putting an ice pack on her neck, presumably That's out of unrelated. the stress that is coming to <laughs> to haunt her. Um, you didn't like this movie, I can tell. No. And when I, I watched it and then researched and seen all of the accolades it got and the reception blew my mind. And you know what? <laughs> One thing that I wrote down distinctly in my notes as I watched was, what was up with that song? That ended up winning an Oscar? What? Okay. Okay. The song, which, all right, obviously we have to play it. Uh Uh-huh.
so that's the intro intro to the movie and it it sounded like like a church song to me like a choir would say, well because the choir does sing part of it i think yeah felt like a choir song to me and i just felt like it made no sense okay um i just i really didn't like this movie so we should probably get into it and explain what this movie okay is. well quick plot summary we mm-hmm. don't want to you know abuse our time because it's the third reference from this episode we're discussing <laughs> uh melanie griffith plays tess and she is a secretary who is pretty unfulfilled in her job. She has annoying and sleazy men around her mm-hmm. basically at all times, including Kevin Spacey in a limo oh. who forces her to watch porn in the mm-hmm. backseat of his limo. And she just is like, driver, let me out in the middle of a highway. Yep. And she sprays his drink on him. Yeah, he is disgusting. And by the way, her coworker or boss sent her to him saying that he had a job opening. Did not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Tess is dealing with. And after that incident, she writes They do so- Here's the thing what that I don't understand about this movie. <laughs> I don't understand any of the business. Like Oh Any gosh. of this Wall Street crap. <laughs> no. I can, like, tell you specific things that happen in this movie, but I, like, cannot explain to you the big picture. She does something with the internal ticker tape that involves stocks inside yeah. their building. And instead of typing up stock results, she writes a crude thing about her boss to get revenge. Yeah. So she gets... And he deserves it. He's awful. Oh, 100%. And she gets moved to a new department. And she is now going to be the secretary for Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. who is successful. Tess has never worked for a woman before. Mm-hmm. And Sigourney Weaver is like, this is a two-way street. I can help you in your career. I can be your mentor. Mm-hmm. So Tess comes to her with an idea that, again, I can't totally explain to you, but it involves yeah. a company buying a radio station yeah. who cannot get into TV. I can't explain to you why this needs to happen or what their company has to do with it. No, she's in acquisitions, but I don't understand who, how another company tells another company to buy another company. (laughs) That's why I'm also Mm -hmm. confused. So that happens. And then super rich Sigourney Weaver goes on a ski trip to Berlin, I believe, somewhere in Europe. She falls and breaks her leg. And they will not let her come home. And she asks Tess to go by her apartment and take care of a couple things for her. And Tess gets there. And long story short, she finds out that Sigourney Weaver, Catherine, was going to steal Tess's idea and not give her credit for it. In Mm -hmm. fact, she had told Tess the idea was not going to work. But behind her back, she was going to sell that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And Tess is putting her, she's putting herself through night school and she's taking all these mm-hmm. classes. In the meantime, her best friend, which Joan, C- Joan Cusack. Cusack is the best friend in every movie. <laughs> yes. I, I'd love to see her have her own thing. But um, this is, this has been her plot. Um, with terrible makeup and crazy hair, you've got to see photos. So um, she has uh, Joan Cusack in her ear the whole movie too kind of trying Mm -hmm. to advise her what to do and it's usually not good advice and so melanie griffith aka tess decides you know what i'm gonna set up my own meeting Mm -hmm. to acquire the the business (laughs) yeah so to do that i need to call another business with harrison ford and get harrison ford aka jack to help me talk to this other business about acquiring another business. (laughs) And again, it's unclear to me Mm -hmm. why Tess and Jack are needed in this equation at all. But apparently they are. 
And Tess basically is like, I am going to be Catherine Parker, basically, except everything except in name. I'm going to work in her office. I'm going to go to her apartment and borrow her clothes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give myself a makeover to look more like her. And I'm going to start acting like her to get the success she has that I've been working for and that I deserve because she thinks this idea is a good idea and is going to try and steal from me. And I'm going to do mm-hmm. it before she gets back. And she and Jack start working on this idea together. They also start canoodling together. (laughs) And just when they are presenting their big idea to Trask Industries, Catherine appears at the meeting and is like, she's my secretary and has does not have the authority to do this and And embarrasses. She stole my idea. Yeah. Wrongo. Tess leaves. And when Tess comes back to get her stuff, all is revealed. The mix-up, she proves it was her idea. She Mm -hmm. and Jack are in love. Oh, and by the way, Jack and Catherine had been dating before. And Jack was about to break up with her, but then she broke her leg and he couldn't see her because she was in Europe. And... it It all works out. And she ends the movie with her becoming a new boss to another secretary and she gets her own office. Yeah. And she's nice to her secretary. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you did a really great job by the way of summarizing that. Thank you. It helps that I've seen it twice. (laughs) Yeah, probably. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. And we skipped a lot along the way that may come up. So we'll get into those as needed, but I need to know, Tell me about it, because the last time we watched, I watched this movie, I didn't care for it as much, and this second time, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you didn't like it. Okay. Mostly, it's going to come down to the female characters and their portrayal. In, okay. First of all, here is a little eye-opener that I had. So, when Tess and Jack meet, she doesn't know that he's Jack. And he knows that she's looking for him, but he doesn't say that, yes, I'm Jack. Mm -hmm. And her friend, Joan Cusack, had given her uh, ad, uh, what did she give her? Something. Some from Catherine's Medicine Cap. Yes. Which, it is worth mentioning, this movie is a series of characters making just a series of bad decisions. Including taking pills from somebody else's medicine cabinet. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. And so she's a little loopy and is drinking. So, of course, she's mixed pills and alcohol. So uh, Jack takes her home. And, you know, I just always hate these moments in movies where I'm like, we really don't have to have women have no choice. And the men, oh, what am I going to do? Take you to my apartment. Take off your dress Mm -hmm. and put you in my bed. And I just, it was an aha moment for me because I realized that She wakes up without her dress, and he said, I didn't look. Well, I may have peeked. And I realized, wait, all growing up, I've seen this in movies where men take off the woman's dress, put them in a bed, and I thought, oh, that's what you have to do. But you don't, actually. You could put a woman in a bed fully clothed, put her on a couch fully clothed, or just leave her alone. So I realized this that was like in my head that you have to take off someone's clothes because that's what they always do in movies Mm. and that's not right anyways i don't know if that's too much but i 100 percent agree with you that would not happen in a movie today hopefully Mm -hmm. i do think uh, okay given the context of the I, i can't defend that that's terrible but at the same time, in the context of the movie, after you've seen her with all these other sleazy men, including her own boyfriend, who she walks in on cheating with her, mm-hmm. the boyfriend who only buys her lingerie for her birthday, Alec Baldwin, by the way, yeah. who just feels gross in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. And so the idea that he would not take advantage of her... Mm-hmm is a contrast to the other men in her life but like Mm -hmm. the bar is also so low that like he does take off her clothes and put her in his bed but he like doesn't and he like makes sure she gets to a place that's safe instead of like leaving her in the cab so like 
there is some level of care. It's just, to your point, that's what happens in a movie. He yeah, takes off exactly. her dress. So, no, don't do this in real life. <laughs> Leave people's clothes on. Yes. But in the context of the movie, it is shocking that this is perfectly gentlemanly behavior compared to the other men in her life. Yeah. So that was a very specific moment. But I just... And now I'm having trouble like pinpointing other specific ones of what bothered me. It just, and I mean, there were other like smaller icky moments, like with Tessa's, you know, of course, the first boss, and then she goes to Kevin Spacey's car. I think I also, the first time I watched it, did not care for it because I was not expecting the, especially the Kevin Spacey scene is like pretty upsetting. Yeah. And it's just shocking to me. They picked the perfect person to be in that scene to give you all the icky feels. But the second time, I think going in knowing that stuff was in there, because I kind of expected to be like, and it is, plucky girl gets a, Mm -hmm. you know, office Cinderella story, which it kind of is. But she also has to go through a lot of muck to get there Mm -hmm. and a thankful makeover whoo so much better by the end (laughs) yeah but the second time i watched it i the girl politics i was shocked that i felt like a man in writing and directing team got it so spot on and Mm. maybe sigourney weaver and melanie griffith just that's part of what they could do but i have known catherine's None of them who have been as diabolical as, like, stealing an idea for me, um, which, granted, I don't work in a business where my ideas are worth millions of dollars, so maybe that's also (laughs) the appeal isn't quite as strong. Mm -hmm. But I have known Catherine's. I have Mm. known those toxic, mean girl people. And I would say in my career... Not that there haven't been frustrating men, but I've had to deal with way more Catherines than Kevin Spacey's or um, those sleazy bosses at the beginning. And maybe it's just that I've lucked out. I've had all women bosses and my direct bosses have been awesome. Like mm-hmm. I, I would recommend anyone work for all of them. Um, if you want their names, send me an email. I'll let you know. <laughs> you can hire them. We're hiring now. Um but I have known Catherine's. In fact, mm-hmm. I could name a few that I work with right now. And the girl, mean girl politics that I feel like probably the next best movie after this chronologically is Mean Girls. I mean, mm-hmm. like, so accurate to me and so spot on and so, like, cathartic to me to watch this, um, like, victory over a woman who feels like she can be mean and manipulative and use her social clout to try and demean other women in the workplace Mm -hmm. was cathartic for me. (laughs) Orin, we really don't have any more time for fairy tales. Miss Parker, let me ask you a question. How did you come up with the idea for Trask to buy up Metro? How did I, uh... Well, let's see, the, um... The impulse. What led you to put the two together? Well, you know, I would have to check my files. I can't recall exactly the, um... Well, generally. It's not as if it was in the mainstream. You know, it would have to be the, um... Help me out here. Orin, I beg your pardon, but if if you are insinuating... Miss Parker, if I were you, I'd go to your office and take a long, last look around. Because in about five minutes, I'm going to see to it that you get the boot. But good. Orin, this is a simple misunderstanding, and I... You cannot... I can, and I will. Now get your... What did you call it? Pony ass. Right. 
phony ass out of my sight. Okay. See, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I have only had wonderful female bosses and haven't really been in competition with like other women at work. Whereas I've had not, not the Kevin Spacey level, but certainly the, the first set of bosses that mm. Tess had bosses as well as coworkers, just gross men being gross mm. at work to me as a young woman. Okay. So I think that was why that ickiness just really struck me and I couldn't get past. And also oh, I'm remembering yeah. the, the boyfriend, he, and the fact that Joan Cusack, her friend was encouraging her to go back to him after he had cheated on her, that I was just like, and then she did kind of, you know, oh, maybe that mm -hmm. really frustrated me. And I really hated that because the message should not be walking on someone cheating on you and then give them another chance. They could make it up to you. Mm -hmm. Haven't even given them a shot. Um, so that really irked me. Mm -hmm. But she ends up in the end not going with him, but actually he kind of ends up rejecting her at their final moment. It feels like a they've come to the accept the spot that they're not going to be together. Like they mm -hmm. both seem at peace about it to me. The person I feel bad for is the girl he's now with that he cheated on Tess with, <laughs> and I'm like, I am not convinced he's not going to cheat on you, yeah, Doreen no. or whatever her name is. So, best for of sure. luck to you on that <laughs> in your terrible bridesmaid dress. Oh my gosh, horrific. Yeah. But yeah, and also though when I did when I started this movie, I was like, all right, where's the unnecessary 80s nudity going to be? And we got it. Yep. We got it twice. <laughs> yeah. Three times. Yeah. Which shockingly the vacuuming topless scene was Melanie oh. Griffith's idea. Are you serious? Didn't, would not have expected that, but apparently In heels. Yes. Unclear to me why the heels were necessary. Um, at least it wasn't a Thomas Crown Affair situation where the director was pressuring the actress to go topless. Yeah. So we can at least say thank you for not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but interesting, some fun uh, spinoff was a Working Girl sitcom that aired from April 16th oh, really? to July 30th. Yes. Starring my girl, Sandra Bullock. I didn't mm -hmm. know this. Yep, it was picked up for 12 episodes, but it was canceled after eight were aired due to just low ratings. Okay. Sandra Bullock was Tess McGill, and I did watch the pilot. You can find all eight episodes on YouTube. Low quality, but they're there. Oh. And she, her kind of deceit to get to the top is that she submitted an application with a random man's name and the boss, um, Catherine, is like, oh, this guy's amazing. I, what a fine. I'm going to hire him. And she's like, that was me. And she doesn't want to hire her. But, you know, her boss's mm -hmm. boss uh, read the report and was like, oh, he's great. And so Sandra Bullock gets the job. And then it there briefly re-ran on TV land in the 90s when Sandra Bullock, of course, became a huge star. I love it. Um, and if that's not enough for you to watch it on YouTube, there is a Broadway musical coming with music and lyrics by Cindy Lauper on its way coming wow. sometime to a stage near, probably if you're listening to this, statistically speaking, not near you, but to a stage somewhere that you could <laughs> potentially go to someday. Ooh, so Taylor, should we talk about how these offices, how these characters fit into the world <laughs> of Gilmore Girls? Yes, let's do it. I don't know that these were going to be, that these would be helpful for Paris, <laughs> who is going to be a server at an event. No, I suppose, you know, she says, I've got some really um, great lines from Wendy Malick to throw out there, which wasn't part of Wendy Malick's thing that she was always getting words wrong and not, like, she was not very smart. 
Mm-hmm. So she would misuse words, which seems like not the best idea, especially for taking things out of context from a sitcom and putting them in your own work life situation. But perhaps it gave her some insight into office rapport and being with coworkers and dealing mm-hmm. with bosses and what to do if you accidentally get high at work, which Paris <laughs> very well could based on the number of pills in her purse. So true. And Wendy Malick was not, she played Tina and just shimmy. She was not nice. So Paris doesn't need any help being not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps they picked the most parallel character to Paris, you know, mm-hmm. Tie your tubes, idiot. It's National Baptism Day. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So perhaps she was just drawn to the character who was most similar to her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be the person to look to. When she watched Working Girl, do you think she identified with Catherine or Tess? Catherine, 100%. We saw how she treated people when in a year in the life when she was the mm-hmm. boss. Yeah. Now, I don't think Paris is manipulative behind your back sneaky. No, She'll just right tell you to face. your face. <laughs> Which, yes. honestly, I'd rather have that than someone pretend yeah. to be nice and be a fake. I would definitely hide from Paris, though. If she were in my life, I would just avoid. Yes. I don't think I've worked with any true Parises. A lot of Catherines, maybe not a lot, enough Catherines, mm-hmm. and no true Parises, though, you know, from time to time. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. But I do think it's interesting that she watches a movie about a working class girl trying to make it big, having mm, to wear her mm-hmm. tennis shoes on the Staten Island Ferry, which apparently is one of the inspirations for this script. And which um, that too was kind of frustrating because, oh, women's shoes are uncomfortable, so they have to wear and buy two pairs of shoes in a day. Oh, how romantic. Let's make a movie. You don't ever do that? You don't ever go to a place? Well, Where you I wear just, different shoes on the way. I just think that's pointing to the fact that women women's shoes are not are not high quality, are not like comfortable. And why can't we wear comfortable shoes and be fashionable? But isn't that just an observation of the culture and not the movie's fault? Yes, yes. Okay, but that the movie was based on that cultural okay touch point, which yeah. they shot on a real ferry ride. Like, they did not get permits. They just showed up and filmed (laughs) on a real Staten Island ferry with Melanie Griffith. And all those people were just normal, real people. Interesting. That's Mm -hmm. very cool. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting that, like, (laughs) Paris basically just thinks she's part of the proletariat now. And, like, not Mm -hmm. that she isn't going through a tough time with her family's finances. Like, I get it. That sucks. But also, like, you are still at Yale and have an extremely, (laughs) like, have had an extremely privileged life until this week. And I don't think you're Tess, you know, who is, like, clawing to get anything in her life. Yeah. Although she definitely did have an estranged relationship with her dad, like Maya, Mm. in in Just Shoot Me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe she was pondering. Can I go into the illegal biz with my father? <laughs> did it work out for Maya? Seems like we can do drugs together and come up with a great layout. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Kyla? So, Taylor? That's our show? That's our show! <laughs> Man, now just, uh, you know, go watch The Office for another take on Office Life. <laughs> I'm sure Paris would have watched that instead. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I love the idea that Paris could be a character on The Office. Oh my she gosh. And Angela well, Martin, Angela, I feel yeah, like, would have been nemeses. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
there we go. We covered two different things in one episode. We've done it before. Two pieces of filmed content. (laughs) That's that's it. Uh, um, So yeah, what did you guys think? Have you seen these? Um, You can watch Working Girl on Stars. Just shoot me on Hulu. I got it from the library. Lovely. Um, You can let us Mm -hmm. know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. On Spotify, you can review now, I believe. Ooh, that's I, new. I haven't noticed that. Oh, they might be releasing it just to some users. I don't know. If you can, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Or give us five stars. And yeah, you can email us at show at gmail.com, just like Miss Celine did. And we would love to shout you out and answer your <laughs> questions. Um, so it's a show on Twitter, on Instagram. Sign up for our newsletter. Links are in the description. Thanks for listening, guys. This is just a blast, as always. Mm-hmm. Here's a teaser for our next app. I stopped by Luke's, right? And he was furious. Taylor slapped him with a jungle gym fine. Smoke was pouring out of his ears. And I told him, don't worry, I'm on my way to take Taylor down. Ooh, goody. <laughs> so I go to the town meeting. It's already started, right? And I uh, come in the back door with the squeaky track so everybody knows Lorelai's in the house. Mm, it's very exciting. And Taylor's up there yammering about septic tanks and Patty made her raisin cake and, you know, everything's just going along. And suddenly Taylor says it's time to break. And I stand up on the bench, totally Norma Ray, and I write strike on my town meeting flyer and I hold it up all defiant. Wow! Of course, the Norma Ray reference was only in my head and everyone was very confused. Yes, it happens a lot with you.